Welcome to Healthy University, where we'll discuss issues and subjects on how you can live a healthier and more productive life. And now, here's your host for Healthy University, Alan Eisenberg. Hello, this is Alan Eisenberg, and welcome to another episode of Healthy University. Uh, it's that time of year when we're thinking about what to be thankful for and I got to tell you, this year was quite different for me. I was thankful for so many things. And I think if we all think about what we have in life, there's always something to be thankful for. Even if it's just waking up in the morning and breathing and looking out and seeing uh, the great expanse of world we have, we should always find a way to be thankful. It's when we don't that we end up finding ourselves in more and more unhealthy experiences. And on that note, I am so happy to today to have somebody I've actually been talking to online for quite a while, but can finally uh, bring to, together with you, the audience, and me. Uh, it's Jim Burns, and Jim Burns has been working with students who have learning disabilities and behavioral problems for, oh, it looks like 40 years almost, uh, working as an administrator, teacher, college instructor, and seminar leader. And he's committed to helping administrators, parents, teachers to establish standards of excellence and help them build successful relationships with their staff, students, and even children. Uh, he has written and designed the Bully Proof or the Bully Proof Classroom, excuse me, a graduate course that is now offered in College of New Jersey and hopefully uh, maybe one day all over the country. Uh, he's also written Anti-Bullying 101, a book that provides teachers, administrators, support staff and parents 101 tips on how to achieve permanent help in dealing with unruly behavior and can be used as a part of any anti-bullying program. Jim speaks on these uh, issues and also has a, a full program, so I think it's very much in line with what I'm doing. Uh, welcome to the show, Jim. Glad to have you here. Happy to be here, Alan. Thank you for having me. I tell you, it's uh, it's a great pleasure. I, you know, when we found each other, I felt like there was something there that was unspoken, and uh, it's really great to find out more of what you're doing. Of course, I've been keeping up with it a bit. Um, why don't you kind of go over your history? Where did you start the anti-bullying classroom from? What what led you there? Well, uh, it was. Actually, the, uh, as most things do, they, they, they start out of need. And um, uh, in New Jersey, we had, uh, and your uh, listeners, and you're probably aware of it, we had the Tyler Clemente suicide. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and everyone's aware of that. And shortly there, I mean, I had been teaching for the college in New Jersey for many years, and uh, other colleges as well, and I still do. Uh, and um, the um, the state decided that they uh, needed to legislate this, and they started the the anti bullying bill of rights. And uh, with this bill of rights came a whole host of requirements that teachers and administrators were expected to. Um, they were mandated. They were expected to follow through on them. They really didn't have any answers on how to deal with it, so I wrote the Bullyproof Classroom. Uh, and uh, working for the college, uh, they um, 
they had me prove it to them just like a doctoral dissertation and uh I ended up uh with the course uh as part of their um as part of their offerings for for graduate students. So do you get the impression, you know, I I'm I'm kind of torn between the legalization of the anti-bullying movement and really trying to make it work, really trying to help the kids. Um, how, how do you see that as an issue, like with the schools you work with, as you're trying to not only meet some state regulations, but also trying to do some good out there, I assume, and, and really care about the issue? Well, I... <laughs> I, I've often shared with people. I find it very interesting that, interesting that we have a now have a law that tells us we have to treat everyone uh, in a kind and considerate manner and respectful manner, and we have to be responsible for our thoughts and our uh, for our actions and our words. Um, and uh, that, to me, uh, says volumes about. The behavior that we deal with, not only in schools but in uh, in our culture and society, uh, it, it really is a matter of character. Uh, it's a matter of um, understanding that uh, uh, everyone deserves uh, to be treated with respect, and we have to honor the rights and privileges of other people. Um, and when that doesn't happen. Uh, and we and it's it, and it starts at the ground level with kids just saying mean things to kids and it going uncorrected and kids not knowing that they can say stop knock it off uh, it starts to escalate and it turns into something that we have today and uh, I, I think that it's just something that um, uh, we need to take a look at in terms of either uh, how we're raising kids or how we're dealing with kids in school. Well, I certainly think that, that you're right, that uh, we've, we've managed to not approach it for so long that it's become systemic. And I know that, you know, your area where, where I talked about up in Boston, certainly with the Phoebe Prince story up there, we read about stories out of uh, Florida and many other places where there seem to be a lot of issues. But overall, it's it's the same old story of the years that you and I grew up, I'm sure, where it was kids being kids and, and this philosophy that is just part of growing up. And that today's society just doesn't accept that. And, and I was certainly one that didn't accept it and why I do what I do. What, what do you think the damage is, is that's happening? And what do you think, you know, I know you mentioned Tyler Clementi and we talked off the air. We talked about Columbine and Virginia Tech and all of these violences that happen at school. Why do you think we're, we're seeing, are we seeing a more prevalent aspect to that? Or is that just something we're just now being more aware of? Uh, I think that we were always aware of bullying. I think that um, I was bullied. Uh, a lot of kids were bullied. Uh, and I think that we, uh, going back many years ago, I mean, there's an article on the, um, on the Bullyproof Classroom website that's called Playground Politics. And basically what it says is I went up to a playground or I went to, a, in my case, to the baseball field 
played baseball uh, all day long, had kids there that were uh, bigger, stronger, tougher than me and a lot of other kids. Um, I was bigger than some of the other kids myself, but we learned how to interact uh, did we did we have trouble? Sure. Did we get bullied? Sure. Did we have fights? Sure. But nobody wanted to go home. Uh, we learned how to solve our own problems. We set up our own rules. We we wanted to play. And when it was all said and done, uh, we all went back the next day and did the same thing. So what's what's missing? There's a missing piece, and it's uh, it's resiliency. Uh, mm -hmm. kids are not as resilient as they were uh, kids can't uh, like as an example up in uh, North Jersey uh, several years ago you had uh, a problem with uh, kids being within probably micro points of each other for the uh, valedictorian award yeah. um, and uh, they gave it to all six kids for fear of a lawsuit or having their kid get disappointed. Kids have to deal with disappointment and th they have to deal with some of the emotional struggles that life has to offer. Uh, and if, if parents don't understand that, some of the kids are going to have a big problem when mom and dad aren't around. Well, I think we're seeing that actually. I just pulled an article from psychology, uh, psychology Today that was about exactly that, about how the, the colleges now, this, the upper education, are having such a problem with exactly that, the resilient, the resiliency of the kids up there and how big a problem that is. And, and certainly as a father of a 21, almost 22-year-old and a 17-year-old, I see a lot of that. I see, you know, that from my angle, I think part of the problem is that Kids are under an enormous, large, enormously large amount of stress that we weren't under. Um, their ability to communicate, given all the options of communication, are almost overwhelming, and they're not really being taught very well how to communicate verbally anymore, so they don't really know how to ask for help. And then on the resiliency side, I mean... I don't want to say we lived a tougher life. I was working at 13. I have been working ever since I was 13. Uh, if I wanted to live the life I wanted to live, that was how it was. And now we see, I think there's a lot of kids that, you know, I think as parents, we, we want to see them do better. So we've kind of pushed them out of that. And now I look back and I go, you know, and my part of that problem, but uh, but I do think we do have a resiliency problem, and I think we're seeing a lot of mental health issues from younger people due to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also um, think that <laughs> there's a piece that, uh, and you may have received an article that I had written. It was called "The Making of a Bully." Right. And um, that is what I will call, uh, in terms of research, you have empirical research, then you have experiential opinion. Uh, and that's kind of a combination of the two. Uh, and I think what happens is is victims who are um, 
not given the skills and not worked with and not given the uh, the um, uh, the instruction on how to deal with some of the emotional crisis that comes into their life, what happens is is they they have a tendency either to avoid it or let somebody else deal with it, and that produces a tremendous amount of of uh, anger because there's there's this issue that that victims have, and I'll share this with you. You never heard, you never heard a bully going in and shooting up a school. It's always been a victim. Right. And that's the piece that I think that we miss because victims, as they grow older, and you talk about it uh, in your writings, mm-hmm. it's basically called childhood post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and what happens is they develop it moving forward. It becomes far worse. Uh, they become angry. They take out the anger on either their Loved ones, the, their wife or their husband, uh, they, they displace it all throughout a family. And the model that the kids get in the home is I get what I want through fear and intimidation. And they go into school and they're your, they're your bullies that are, are walking around and doing the damage, but they actually came out of the, the, the life of the victim. And one of the things that we, started to look at was this whole idea of epigenetics and how this, uh, how your DNA gets altered, not necessarily your DNA, it, gets, it could be altered by the behavior of your grandfather or the experiences of your grandfather. And, and going forward, the experiences of your father can alter the DNA in his children. And, and going forward, we have kids walking around right now with altered DNA because of the negative experiences that they've had. And they're taking that forward into life. And we have to be aware of it because, as, as you have stated many times, that stress, that problem, that post-trauma event that they have been through has caused them to uh, have a lot of angry bones in their body that they, and sometimes they take out that anger on the wrong people. Oh yeah, and, and it's a well-known psychological problem called displaced aggression. Anytime we can't take out our anger on the people that are too strong than us or above us, even in a workplace situation, we end up taking out on people we trust won't leave us our loved ones, and that's that displaced aggression you were talking about. You're also really talking about something interesting. Um, this has been proven, and it's very interesting. You can look it up. Uh, people who are doing DNA research are finding, I just happen to be one, like that Ashkenazi Jews deal with stress at a very high level because... An Ashkenazi Jew has lived in, in fear so much of their life and in, in flight that it's actually been passed down, this idea of, you know, the pogroms and the Nazis and all these things genetically actually altered the people. And now they're studying them and they find that they have a much higher level of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So I find that fascinating. We need to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'd love to explore that and what you're working on on your next projects. I know you have an app out and and uh, would like to talk about where you're going with all this. 
So uh, this is Alan Eisenberg uh, with Jim Burns from uh, from Bullyproof Bullyproof Classroom, and we'll be right back. Thanks. You're listening to Healthy University with Alan Eisenberg. Deep in a dark hole in the recesses of his mind, Alan tried to bury all the bad memories of the bullying that happened to him. But memories can't be buried, and he would be haunted by his youth and these memories for a very long time to come. Then he must confront and come to terms with his own youth and the things that happened to him. Find out what Alan didn't want to remember. Read A Ladder in the Dark, My Journey from Bullying to Self-Acceptance. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most major book retail outlets. Hi, welcome back to Healthy University. You're here with your host, Alan Eisenberg, and my guest, Jim Burns from Bullyproof Classroom. Uh, Jim and I were talking over the break that we really wanted to talk about all the health consequences. Obviously, this is Healthy University, and we really want to focus that this bullying that happens to us, and as we left, we were talking about sort of the genetic aspect, which I believe in, um, but these health consequences to the victims, and, and I think even to the bullies that you were even talking about how a bully becomes a bully. Um, what, what have you seen in your research and your time uh, about the health consequences? Well, the, the post-traumatic stress disorder that, uh, that is um, affecting not just our, our folks who have come back from the service, but what most people don't understand is neglect can cause post-traumatic stress disorder going forward. And when kids are neglected, kids aren't given the tools to deal with life. Kids aren't uh, don't have a, a house set up with that's balanced with rules and regulations and compassion and understanding. Uh, when kids uh, have boundaries set in anger, all of these things create. Uh, the the uh, what they do is they keep the mental health industry very rich, uh, be, and and with money that they have not done enough with to try and deal with some of these issues, but they they what what happens to our children is they grow up, uh, they're depressed, they're suicidal, uh, they have um, anxiety. Uh, there starts to become a substance abuse problem, a drug abuse problem. I think that we don't understand that the use of, of oxycodone and, uh, and um, Vicodin today is rampant amongst young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, all to deal with anxiety and take away the pain, the emotional pain that they're dealing with. Then as they go forward and, and all of the habits that they develop because of the, um, because of the stress that's related to the neglect and so on, all of that, uh, starts to 
really create and and I've I've often said that you know um, uh, a bitter mind brings brittle bones yeah. uh, and what that means is the 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 more emotional problems you have the more physical problems you're going to have and as you grow older uh what starts to happen is you have uh all kinds of health related issues high blood pressure uh there's um uh you you have uh stomach related issues you have a, a greater incidence of uh, and, and and this is not any and this is not any joke that that kids who are, are are bullied and who have difficulty with their health moving forward are more accident prone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they they're not paying attention to what they're doing. They can't hold jobs, and when they do have a job, they end up having difficulty on the job because they don't know how if they have a job in the service related industry they have trouble dealing with customers and their boss they go to college they can't concentrate on on the the, the schoolwork that they're taking all of this all of this turns into one unhealthy individual moving forward and who becomes an adult and if you want to take a look at the uh, you know at unemployment i think you also have to take a look at mental health and i think that we're Spending a little more time understanding that bullying is much more extensive than the schoolyard. You know, it, it extends to the workplace and these health consequences. I, I know firsthand from the stomach side of things in particular, uh, what that anxiety and stress can do to you uh, physiologically as well as mentally. Um, and people are really just on the tip of the iceberg understanding how our minds affect our body. And there are a lot of nerve bundles that actually travel from our brain down to other parts of our bodies, particularly in situations like fight or flight, which will be a very common thing with anxiety and stress. Um, And they do a great amount of harm if they're happening at the wrong time because they're releasing a lot of uh, different things into the body to make it react differently. And if you're constantly anxious, then you're constantly releasing these things, not to mention, as we know, sleep and depression and, and other important parts that keep us healthy. I think that that's really something that I'm kind of hoping that we could find a way, you know, in, in your world, uh, to be able to take an emotional attendance. So I think if we spent a little more time observing, there, most of these characteristics come out emotionally. And I always, I always wonder, you know, do you think that if we took emotional attendance like we took attendance at school, we might pick up on some of these things? I think that... Uh what we do uh, more often than not is we deal with the symptoms. There, there's a root problem, and, and the root problem is we've got a lot of kids who ha- who are bitter. They're they're very and bitter. And we have to understand the difference between bitterness and anger. Anger is very situational, and it's passing. Bitterness is uh, is almost permanent. Uh, it, 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 until we learn how to deal with it. Uh, it, you always say, well, this guy's just a miserable person. 
Well, the, the idea is he's angry about things that have gone on in his life. And uh, the, the youth conflict that kids have, if it's not dealt with correctly, becomes an adult conflict going forward. And we look at symptoms. You know, we say a kid is lazy or, you know, he's... Uh, uh, you know, he, he's never on time to class. He's never. All of it is related, you know, to a lot of of uh, the events that have occurred in his life. But if you really got down to it, if you really got down to it, you'd find out there's a deep seated anger inside of many of these kids. Uh, and if we dealt with some of the anger issues and said to some kids, "Hey, you know what?" When did you start uh, feeling this way? When did you stop coming to school? When did you start feeling depressed? We would be able to backtrack to the fork in the road and help that kid take a different fork. Oh, that's definitely true. I definitely agree with you 100% on that. I, you know, I often wonder if someone had gotten to me much earlier, and there were lots of opportunities for uh, adults in in the school place and in in life to catch that um, my life would have gone very differently up until now but at the same time you know I understand uh, the mindfulness and, and the things that I'm trying to teach uh, and instill in some of the children I get to work with about being mindful you you can't change the past you can't uh, undo what's done you can only make things better you can only move toward worrying about right now and and i think that when you're young you don't think like that at all you think you know this this is my my life is going to be this way forever and i think even as adults start to fail as they start to ruminate on these bad things that's what you end up seeing is people who really take the outer world and say this is the way it is and make it, you know, make it an unhealthy environment for themselves. I I completely agree, um, and I, and I think that kids, as they um, as they begin to move forward, uh, the things that they thought that would go away. In other words, I've often heard kids say, you know, I've got to go to another school. I hate it here. And, you know, my point to them is you're going to take yourself with you, you yeah. know, and it, it, it may not be the school. It may be you that, that may have to make adjustments. Uh, your, your life is in chaos, and I think that often what you have to do is look at yourself before you look at other people. Not to say that you're supposed to just automatically – you know, develop the coping mechanism to deal with the events of your life. But I don't think we do enough coaching yeah. of kids, life coaching of kids to help them move forward successfully. I think that we continue to look at symptoms and we don't address some of the root problems. That's very true. I, I, I agree 100%. Um, we, we don't spend any time working with people about themselves like do they even like themselves do they love themselves do they realize that they have the power to change these things in themselves uh, you know I think that's where we fall down right now um, and it's and it's really foreign to to our world I think there's some worlds where 
you know, kids meditate first thing in the morning instead of saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, I'm not saying cut out the Pledge of Allegiance, but there's something to be said for stopping and, and letting your mind rest for a while and letting these things happen. Mm-hmm. It's just something we don't think to do where other people are really focused on the, on the child themselves and, and the individual. Well, I don't want to run out of time here, and I'd like, you know, I know you're doing some great stuff. You're making an app. You're um, out there with books and, and lots of helpful guides. Uh, tell us a little bit about how we can get some of the material that you're producing uh, that we've been talking about. Well, the the app, you can get right in the app store, and if you have an iOS device uh, or uh, an like iPad or iPhone, it's easy enough downloaded. Uh, you just have to go to the app store and type in the Bullyproof Classroom, and the app will come up. And the app now has uh, been developed to include uh, the material off of the Bullyproof Classroom, all of the articles that are there. It includes 217 uh, podcasts. Uh, that that were done. They were in the category of bullyproof classroom radio because they were done more in a radio format. Then we have podcasts that were that were done uh, more recently. They're they're under the podcast, so that's bullyproof classroom podcast. We have a section uh, on articles. We have free resources. We're starting to plug in lesson plans. Uh, for teachers to use to teach character and help with help with bu- uh, the, the bullying problem, we we've included uh, uh, things that are going on in the news uh, in terms of anti-bullying, and then of course we just added a section which is uh, anti-bullying organizations, of which you are one of the organizations we have on the app. It is loaded. This thing is loaded, and anyone who is dealing with, anyone who's in teaching would get an enormous benefit from this app. It's free. Uh, you just, and, and we, you know, and I look at it in terms of we download, you know, people download two billion apps or some ridiculous number like that. And most of them are games and things that they can fiddle with, you know, during the day when they have downtime. Download this app. If you're in education, if you're a parent, if you're fighting the bullying problem, go to the app store and get this thing. It will help you. There's no question about it in terms of dealing with the problem and then getting resources to help you out. The other piece that we have is we have the um, the Bullyproof Classroom Online Academy, uh, and that's uh, you can find that at bpconlineacademy.com. And I've set up a different way to take online courses. Uh, what this is is a method where you go in and you buy the module package and it gets sent right to your email address and you you take the course and usually some, there's one hour courses in there right now we'll have five hour and ultimately we'll have 42 hour courses in there that'll be tied into a college but the idea is 
you don't have to go online anymore once you buy the course. Then you take the course. There's a short quiz you got to take. You email me, and I send you a certificate of completion. So this is, to me, a great new way to do online work. Rather than sitting mm-hmm. online, you get the material. It's a PowerPoint. Uh, it, it could include a podcast. It may have a uh, what I call a video cast with the PowerPoint and me doing direct instruction with you. There's articles there that you can use, and there's a lecture article that's there, which would be very similar to me standing in front of you. And the the way this got developed was I was doing on-site conferences, and I had a very small group, and I said to the guys, you know what, I'll just send you the PowerPoint. We have a small group. We're going to be able to finish up early. I'll give you the material. So we worked for about three hours, and they, they all of them said to me, this was the greatest thing going. So I decided to create the, an online format for it, and now what I do is I do conferences, and, and it doesn't matter if I have three people there or 30 people there, I can still do it, and they're still going to get the benefit of the entire conference, but they may get half of it with me doing it face-to-face, and then they get the rest of it uh, where they, they, they buy the package and, yeah. I, and I give it to them. And you probably didn't know this about me, Jim, maybe you did, but... I'm an e-learning developer, so um, I'm a big proponent in what you're doing. And you know, you take the best people in the industry who know the material, and you have them give it, and then it's always available. And you know, I think what you're doing is honorable. I don't think it's just you know something that you're doing because you happen to fall into it, but I think we all do it because we have a passion for helping people for. For making a better society, and I know that at the end, that's what I want. I want, I want people to understand that our society can be better. That we don't have to all suffer with the scars of the past or even the scars of the present. You know that we can find ways to get through these things and find hopefully mentors and leaders and and teachers and administrators such as yourself who are actively want to help, wanting to help people in the subject of bullying. So I appreciate your time. I know it's valuable, and I've always appreciated your wisdom And when we get to talk, and I'm, I'm glad we've had this chance to share this because I think it's very important information, and the more people that can learn it uh, and the more people that can hear it, uh, the more chance that we can start to solve it. Absolutely. It's been, and you know what, Alan? I've learned a whole lot just from following you on Twitter. Thank Let you. me tell you that, that right. I could see how hard you work in this area. And it's something that I think the both of us would like to potentially do full time at some point. Oh, you bet. You bet. I just got to figure out how to stop doing the other part. You know, maybe we can figure out to turn that uh, e-learning thing into something real. Um, but but I enjoy it. I mean, I get I get more pleasure when I come home and, and know that I've helped people uh, than I do getting paid. But sometimes that's life. Um, and and again, I appreciate your time, and I could I could see us doing a part two to this. So uh, I look forward to another opportunity to talk to you. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Alan. Okay, and this is Alan Eisenberg again from Healthy University. Thanks for tuning in, and please tune in next time. We look forward to hearing you, hearing what you have to say, and, and if you have any guests that you might be interested in, 
please let us know. Again, Alan Eisenberg, Healthy University. We look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you for listening to Healthy University, brought to you by Bullying Recovery, LLC. This podcast does not replace the need for medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual. The information provided here or through linkages to other sites is not a substitute for medical or professional care, and you should not use the information in place of a visit, call, consultation, or the advice of your physician or other health care provider. Join us next time for more Healthy University.